back, everyone, to the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. You know I am talking about the Fight Podcast. I am your host, the Underground King, Serge Vicente, and we have an amazing show for you guys today. Today, you know I'm coming with that five rounds of fight news. I'm going to go ahead and break down all of the important fight action of the week, all of the news, everything that is important for you guys to know. Also. I'll be breaking down this weekend's UFC fight night, man. Benavides versus Figueredo. So that is for the flyweight championship. So we will talk about that and so much more, man. Before I get to that, man, remember, man, each and every week, the Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Again, sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off of your first three months. Check out Sage Eats everywhere at the website, sageeatschicago.com. Also, social media at Sage Eats Chicago. Uh, Check them out. And also tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody you know about the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, the Fight Podcast, man. We are everywhere podcasts are available. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Also check out the website, thefightpodcast.com and follow your boy at Serge Vicente. All right, man, let's go ahead and jump on into the episode on today's menu. Like I told you guys from the jump, we have five rounds of fight news. And in fight news, we are going to talk about the championship fight of this weekend. Did everybody make weight? We'll also talk about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury's epic matchup. How many pay-per-view buys did they achieve? And did they actually get to the goals that they wanted to? And I have to talk about Texas. What? Who? Yeah, Yes, Texas. There should no longer be big-time combat sports fights in Texas, and I will break that down for you as well. All right, man. So, look, we're going to go ahead and jump into it, man. I hope you guys have had an amazing week. It's starting to look kind of nice here in Chicago. It's still a little cold. I'm not going to stunt, but uh, I don't know. It's not as gray. It's been kind of nice outside, man. So I'm enjoying it. I'm going to continue enjoying it as much as I can. Um, but uh, let's not kid myself. I just got back from L.A. So it's definitely not 80 degrees and sunny all day long here. So nah, we'll do what we can. Um, it's been a lot of things, man. This week has been good. Getting after it, man. We're trying to make sure we're bringing as much of quality content to you guys as we possibly can. And it's nuts, man. Everything that I've been seeing Oh, everyone's talking about the Fury win. And look, I've talked about it a lot here. You heard episode 188, myself and the guru, Brandon Camille. We broke it down at nauseum. And look, I love the fight. I thought it was a masterpiece, a Picasso of a performance. It was a Basquiat of a performance by uh, Tyson Fury. Um, and, and Deontay Wilder is not getting the best press, man. But yo, buddy isn't doing any himself any favors he's not helping himself at all man he has made every wrong move possible i have no idea who's going out here and managing this dude where's his pr team where's his pr team where are the people that tell him like fam you're making yourself look like an asshat 
Fam, you're looking like a clown. Just shut up. We already talked about the excuses. My uniform is too heavy. My trainer shouldn't have thrown in the towel. Now they're saying, oh, maybe he was working with Tyson Fury's team. Just stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. I'm still a huge fan of Deontay Wilder. I am. But he's coming off looking like a clown. He's looking like he doesn't. Look, everybody knows I have been a huge fan of Deontay Wilder. And and, in the same breath, I have not been a huge fan of Anthony Joshua. But I'm going to say this. Anthony Joshua took his first loss far better than Deontay Wilder did. And now, look, it's not taking anything away from Deontay. And he even went on on Instagram and he put out a post, which I do appreciate. And I'll play that for you guys in a moment. But at the end of the day, you you can't just go out there and just, just talk crazy. You have to be just to an extent. You have to be able to, to look at yourself in the mirror and say, look, man, it was me. I lost. I'm hearing all these excuses, excuses left and right. And the only thing that I have not heard from Deontay Wilder is taking any sort of accountability. It breaks my heart, yo. It really does. Because I think of him as a champion. I do. I look at Deontay Wilder as one of the greatest fighters of our generation. Arguably the greatest power puncher ever in the history of boxing. But to sit back and just not Take it on the chin like a man. And say, you know what? He got me on this one. It's cool. I'm the man. I'll be back. And to an extent, he did that. And here, I'm going to let you guys take a little listen of what the former champ, the Bronze Bomber, had to say. Hello, my people. My bomb squad army. My bomb squad nation. To all my loved ones around the world, I just want to let you know that I am here. Your king is here. And we ain't going nowhere. For the war has just begun. I will rise again. I am strong. I am a king. They can't take my pride. I am a warrior. I'm a king that would never give up. I'm a king that will fight to the death. And if anyone don't understand that, don't understand what it is to go to war. Don't understand what it is to fight. We will rise again. We will regain the title. I will be back. We will hold our heads up high. Your king is in great spirit. And we will rise like a phoenix from the ashes and regain the title. I'll see you in a few months. Before the war has just begun. All my love to all my people. All right. So that that was dramatic. (laughs) <laughs> that was super dramatic yo but i'm not mad at it 
I'm not. He says some things, and and obviously he views himself in a particular manner that I'm I'm not mad at. He's a champion. He's been a long reigning champion for a long time. He views himself as the king of the division, and I'm not mad at that. Now, is he my king? No, nah, brother. I I ain't with you on that one. But at the end of the day, man, he is a king, and and I'm gonna respect him as such. I like the fact that he wants to come back. I do. I like the fact that he's looking at it like he has that pride, which I, I which I appreciate. But everything that he has done to this point isn't what you want to see from your king, your champion, someone who has take again. We 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 hold them up to a specific level. Um do I believe that Deontay Waters should go out there right now and actually have an immediate rematch with Tyson Fury? The answer is unequivocally no. He should absolutely not go out there to fight Tyson Fury once again. He shouldn't. Not right now. What I personally believe he should do is first and foremost, he needs to get rid of JD's. JD's has done him a disservice. JD's, JDS, JD's, that is his coach, his trainer, the, the individual who has founded him. He has been with him from the very beginning. I thoroughly believe that JDS has done him a disservice. Yes, Deontay Wilder has picked up boxing later than most. He picked it up around 20, 19, 20 years old. So people use that as an excuse for him. Now, I'm not like a bunch of people that say he can't fight. He absolutely can fight. He does a number of things extremely well. But one thing is, he did not give him a well-rounded game at all. You realize the man had one punch and you just stayed with it. You're riding off of it. How can you not teach a man how to back up? How can you not teach a fighter the fundamental... The fact that he didn't have those fundamentals to me shows a lot. And that is one of the biggest problems that I've actually had with Jay Diaz and what Deontay Wilder has been doing. It is. And that's the thing for me, man. I, I'm not. Um, so, OK, so this is what he needs to do. Deontay Wilder needs to go get a new team. Um, it, hopefully he keeps Mark Breland. A lot of people have said from the beginning said in the original accounts were that he fired him on the spot. I'm hearing now that he did not fire him and he's actually still a part of the team. If that is the case, phenomenal. You can keep him. You absolutely need to get rid of the other guy. Yes, I know that's who he started with. I know he has loyalty to this dude, but let's be completely honest. And I said this on episode 188, if you guys hadn't had an opportunity to check it out. The fact of the matter is, what your trainer has one job. And the job is simple. Protect your fighter. For him to say he didn't throw Mark Breland under the bus, someone whom is an Olympic champion, a five-time Golden Gloves champion, a Golden Gloves national champion, a welterweight world champion, Dude, he is the only person in that corner who has any credibility. So Deontay Wilder needs to, aside from Mark Breeling, get another voice, another name, because at the end of the day, Jay Diaz threw Mark Breeling under the bus and then said he would have allowed 
Deontay Wilder to go out on his shield. I've said this before. I'll say it again. He should have his license revoked for saying that type of nonsense. You have a job. I don't care what Deontay Wilder says. He's a fighter. He can say whatever the hell he wants. He should feel like, yes, I need to go out on my shield. Yes, he can say that. But as a trainer, as a coach, as a quote-unquote friend, damn what that dude is saying. Fuck every bit of that. And go out there and save that man's ass. For him to say that and throw a legend under the bus, for me right there, you gotta go. So Deontay Wilder needs to go ahead and get himself out of Tuscaloosa. You're too comfortable, homie. Get out. Come on, man. We already know that Get Out was filmed in Alabama. I feel like I'm in a real life Get Out. Deontay, get out. (laughs) Straight up. So I would like to see him with, again, any of the other coaches. I mean, realistically speaking, Sugar Hill, who Tyson Fury used, would have been a perfect type of guy. But then we also have individuals. Um, oh man, I'm blanking on the, but there's so many guys out there that I would love to see him with. I've said Virgil Hunter in the past, but maybe not him. Um, you have Freddie Roach. There's a litany of guys that are out there that are phenomenal that he should be using, but whoever it is, that's what I'd like to see. That's first and foremost. His next fight, he needs to fight a bum, get his confidence back. Let him know he still got his mojo. Let him start pounding his chest a little bit. The fight after that, I would like to see him fight somebody who has the same dimensions as a Tyson Fury. Somebody who is taller and bigger than Deontay. Let him go out there and drub dude a little bit. After that, let him fight somebody in the top five once again. Then we fight the number one guy in the division. Get your belt back. By that point in time, it's probably going to be at the end of 2021. Brother, you got more money than God. Let's go ahead and sail off into the sunset. You made your point. You came back. You got three more wins. You finish up your career with a record of 47-1-1? and Come on, son. That's storybook shit. And he legitimately has the opportunity to do so. I believe that he can do that, man, because I thoroughly believe in Deontay Wilder. But none of that is going to happen. If A, he goes out there and fights Tyson Fury again, because the only thing that's going to happen is he's going to get knocked out again. And B, if that doesn't happen, is that, again, if that does happen, his legacy is tarnished. And no one's going to want to pay to see this man again because they don't believe he is the best of the best. So, look, I, I'm looking at those things. And, and here is hey, I really do hate to say this. In terms of who looks better at this point in time, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder and the way that they've actually gone back and forth and the kind of discussed like after their losses, AJ is taking it and has taken it far better. So we'll see what ends up happening. Look, I'm not sitting there just disparaging, buddy. You know I love Deontay, but I had to get that off my chest. That's not even one of the five rounds of fight news. That's just me talking because I'm so disappointed in your mans. 
But I digress, man. <laughs> let's go ahead and jump into yo um, this weekend. So let's go ahead and jump into round number one. Joseph Benavidez and Diego, or I'm sorry, uh, Figueredo are fighting this weekend. They're supposed to be fighting for the flyweight title, but Davidson Figueredo missed weight. He misses weight for a championship fight. And it's one of those things, so check this out. Uh, Benavidez, who's 35 years old, will become the flyweight champion. If he wins, he also will receive not 10, not 20, but 30% of Diego Figueredo's purse. Davidson Figueredo was, in, it was in, and this is what his manager said. Davidson Figueroa was in preparation for the fight with his team, accompanied by a doctor, nutritionist, a physiologist, a physical trainer, and technicians. He goes on to say the weight was cut appropriately, but this morning he uh, he presented a malice of the gastrointestinal origin. It was discussed with the doctor who monitors him, and together with the team, we chose to to preserve the athlete, interrupting the weight loss and performing oral hydration with the support of the UFC's nutritionist. The decision, although difficult, as we are aware it would not be possible to achieve the weight after hydration, was made both to preserve the athlete and to honor the commitment to the event and the opponent. I will be the first to tell you now, you do not honor your opponent. You do not honor your event when you miss weight. As fighters, we have one job to do. Obviously, it's to to fight, but you have that's part of the contract. You got to make weight. There's no excuse. And that and then it makes me think about a number of different things. Why are you walking around so heavy? Why are we cutting so much weight? People like Jorge Masvidal, people like uh, Conor McGregor have proven time. Kelvin Gastelum have proven time and time again that if you're if you're not cutting as much weight, you have more energy and you're able to go out there and scuff your opponent. Israel Adesanya is not a big light or uh, middleweight. He's tall, but he's not heavy. Why are you having to cut so much weight? Fam, you have one job and it's a championship fight. What? They don't give, the UFC doesn't give multiple opportunities like this. Especially you you arguably are ruining a main event. Because let's think about this. What happens if he wins? If he wins, the flyweights are done. There is no more flyweight division. You cannot have a guy. He won't even have the belt. So you're saying the best guy in the division isn't even the champion, but it's cool. There's no excuse for it. Joseph Benavides is going to say, no, man, we should have made him cut weight. Make him suffer. Let him get down to 126. And I'd still fight him. Dana White goes on to say, I don't understand this shit. How the fuck are you going to go out there and miss weight for a championship fight? There, It's inexcusable. It is. 
Um, it really hurts my feelings when I say this, man. Figueredo will actually become the fourth fighter in UFC history to miss weight for a championship fight and still compete. The others are Travis Luter in 2007, Yoel Romero in 2018, plus Joe Riggs at welterweight in, two, in 2005, way back in the day. Um, the one caveat I have of all these, these other names, the Yoel Romero one, the commission here in Illinois, because that happened in Chicago, they cut him off at 10 minutes for no reason. A lot of people have actually, they've even contested it and everything like that. Um, he would have made the weight. So that kind of sucks for him. But at the end of the day, he still, granted, I thought he won that fight. Everybody else thought he won that fight. But I feel like the commission and the judges didn't give him the, the, the decision strictly because he lost. Fortunately for him, he has another opportunity to fight um, uh, the last style bender, Israel Adesanya. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. Uh, that fight is this weekend, Saturday. It is in New uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, the, the event itself, I'll break it down in a moment. Not the deepest card, but there are a lot of really, really solid fights on it. And honestly, man, this Joseph Benavidez versus uh, Figueroa fight, I'm really excited for. And this is what pisses me off because I think this dude is great. I hate it when really quality fighters, man, just aren't paying attention to stuff, man. It sucks. It looks bad on the sport. It looks bad on the athlete himself. All right. Round number two. Round two and three, man, is all going to be wrapped up in one because I am here to talk about Texas. Texas Department of Licensing and Regulations, the commission there at Texas. Yo, I will be probably not the first to tell you this. I might not even be the second, but I am here to tell you that guess what? There should no longer be MMA fights, especially championship fights in the state of Texas. Holy shit. They're terrible. They have no idea what they're doing. A couple stories came across the desk this week and I, I, I just had to talk about it. So let, let's start off with the old man, Tito Ortiz. Tito Ortiz um, has had a couple different issues. He, his fight, for instance, with, um, he's over there fighting everybody, man. He, he's over fighting the Combates Americas. And um, he unfortunately ended up, he won, but he ended up, he's ended up losing, right? They ended up taking the, all right. So what it really happened was this. Tito Ortiz on November 7th ended up fighting essentially the owner of the company of Combates Americas, and he ended up winning first-round submission. Great. They ended up pretty much stripping him of that win. First of all, he was suspended for a month. Then he was actually stripped of that win. It was a no contest, and, um, and no one knew why. Everyone was trying to figure out what's happened, and then all of a sudden... Tito Ortiz's win was restored by Texas after the drug test issue was corrected. What? What does that mean? What happened? So this is what happened. The commission was told about a supplement that Tito Ortiz was taking. They said, yes, that is fine. 
He pissed hot for it. They took the win away. Until they communicated with the other half of the commission and said, yo, it was okay. You cannot do that. How unprofessional are they? So they literally, he told them what he was taking. They said, okay. Then they took the win from him only to give it back. That's so, first of all, shit's gnarly. The second thing is so unprofessional because it makes the athlete look bad. You're making him look bad. Look, Tito Ortiz makes himself look bad enough half the time. You don't need to help him. Granted, since 2012, he is 5-1. and one. He's 45 years old. He's out there doing his thing. He's fighting a couple cans, but he did feed a couple good fighters as well. But you're going to go out there and make this man look bad, taint his name. And then say, oh, my bad. Why? Why does that happen? How does that happen? It is not okay. And how is Texas itself going to be punished for this? Now, that brings me to round number three. We all knew about this. I talked about this one happened. But remember when UFC 247, James Krause um, ended up and he's pissed. Uh, he had a fight with Trevor Giles. This is the exact same fight card that um, everyone was pissy about. Um, where they essentially, again, this is where Joe Solis. Joe Solis, he had a conflict of interest, man. There was a whole lot of terrible, terrible, terrible decisions that night. And um, and this is the same night that Joe, that John Jones ended up beating Reyes. So Lisa is the exact same judge that gave Ray or John Jones four rounds to one. But he also made two other terrible calls. And the main one, the most egregious one, was the one between James Krause and, Tre- and Trevin Giles. James Krause came in on that fight on 24 hours notice. 24 hours notice. It's crazy. So why is this such a big thing? Why was it such a big deal? Well, let me tell you. It was such a big deal because it was a split decision win for Trevin Giles. This is the problem with it, though. Everyone gave James Krause the first round. I actually gave James Krause the first round as it should have been a 10-8. Right from the beginning, he dominated, he threatened with submissions, he pretty much was a human backpack for four and a half minutes. So Lees, who actually trained under Eric Williams, he cornered Giles at UFC 247. So Lees, the judge, earned his black belt from Eric Williams. Bruh, this is a huge conflict of interests. This literally gave uh, Trevin Giles the fight. So let me explain it real quick so I can clean it up one more time. The dude judging the fight received his own personal black belt from the guy cornering the dude in the cage. And that scorecard 
was what prompted, if it wasn't for that, if he gave him the proper score, James Crouch would have won. That is a huge difference in money, especially, especially when you actually have fighters fighting pretty much, you're getting half of your win. Granted, he wasn't planning on fighting that weekend, but still, you cut your, your, your pay in half. He took money out of that man's pocket. Should have never happened. So when you think about this and you have the appearance was absolutely biased and I understand thoroughly why Crouch is in rage. This should not have happened. And this is why I'm going back to the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulations. They knew that they understood that. And if they did not, they 1000 percent should have done their due diligence to check the fact that they messed that up and shit the bed there as well as shitting the bed with everything else, the terrible decisions, the, oh, that wasn't even the worst one of the night. The thing with Tito Ortiz and, and on and on and on. Major MMA organizations, major boxing promotions, we should not ever Go back to Texas again. I do not care that one of the Fertitas owns it. I'm sure they get an amazing deal to hold down the the uh, the stadium. I don't give a fuck. It shouldn't happen. And honestly, man, I hope there is something. I I, um, I think that that fight should be overturned. Um, I don't believe that Solis should ever be able to go out there and uh, and judge a fight ever again in his career. All right, round number four. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, man, actually had a, um, it was between 800,000 and 850,000 pay-per-view buys in North America, which is the best by far for a heavyweight title fight since Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lewis in 2002. Um, Wilder, Wilder won only sold in comparison 325,000 buys. Um, now, check this out. For them to make even, to break even, they had to get 1.1 million pay-per-view views, so they did not make that. The promoter is now saying that the reason that that happened is because of piracy, but let's keep it a buck. Every time that things don't perform the manner that they wanted to, this is what they say. It is. Um, I think that ESPN did a phenomenal job of advertising this fight. Um, Fox and I honestly, I wasn't paying as paying as much of attention. I hope they did their job as well. But man, look, at the end of the day, this was a big event. Yes, they didn't hit their break even number, fortunately for them. Um, but this did bring me to a couple of different thoughts. Is Tyson Fury the face of boxing? And the answer is isn't as simple as you want to say at this point in time is he the face of boxing no i think that still lands with canelo alvarez but it's coming close and the reason i say that is i believe that tyson fury won over a lot of fans here in the states with that basquiat of a performance he did Black, white, green, blue, yellow, brown, everybody. Everybody loves Tyson Fury. We love his, his, his fighting style. We love his tenacity. We love his story. We love everything that he represents. 
everyone feels as if they can relate to Tyson Fury in some capacity. If you if you're a little nuts and you know you're you you have mental health issues, not saying that if you have mental health issues you're nuts, but if you have mental health issues, you can relate. If you've been on drugs, you can relate. If you've been depressed, you can relate. If you're fat, you can relate. If you're funny, you can relate. If you're a gypsy, you can relate. There's so many things that you can relate to Tyson Fury. Same for Wilder as well, but we're talking, I'm talking about Fury right now. So being the fact that Tyson Fury does speak English, that he is a heavyweight, if he does end up fighting the, I would say, number three most famous guy in boxing right now, which is Anthony Joshua, the other heavyweight champion of the world. If he goes out there and defeats him in impressive fashion, 1,000% Tyson Fury is the face of boxing. So what that says to me is this. By the end of this year, the number sixth ranked pound-for-pound fighter in the world, according to ESPN, can go out there and become the face of boxing with one more big win on his resume. Look, I'm here for it. I hope it happens. And um, at the end of the day, man, look, I'm a fan. And what he's doing is phenomenal. All right, yo, Uh, let's go ahead. Oh, before we go ahead and jump into round number five, man, remember... The Fight Podcast is brought to you guys each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Again, sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off of your first three months. They cook and deliver healthy meals directly to your home or office right here in the Chicagoland area. If you're not in Chicago, that is totally fine. They'll take care of you as well. They have nutrition consultation and and a, and uh, fitness mentoring. Hit them up. They'll take care of you. Sage Eats Chicago. Hit them up on uh, IG at Sage Eats. And check me out, man. Check out the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. The Fight Podcast. Let your people know. Everywhere podcasting is available. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, also, check out the website, thefightpodcast.com, and follow me at Serge Vicente. All right, yo, round number five. So check this out. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I have been avoiding talking about this. I have been avoiding talking about this individual because guess what? I just met him. Nice guy. He is. Taller than I thought he was going to be. Um, super eloquent, super intelligent. Again, nice guy. Stephen A. Smith. (sighs) He won't stop talking about MMA and the criticism that he received. He was recently with friends of the show, Ock and Barack, as well as Sway on Fight Nation. And he had something to say about the people that criticized him. This is what he had to say. learning the sport. Louis Todd, Ben, and I don't know. I, I never said I knew. What I said was, I was at that fight. 
I know what the hell I saw for those 40 seconds. Uh -huh. Now you, I'm not debating the sport. Like, for example, there's a whole bunch of cats that talk basketball. You think they know basketball like I know basketball? Right. I've been covering the sport for 25 years. Yeah. Right. I got inside information all over the place. No, I'm an aficionado on basketball. I'm a reporter and spectator everywhere else. So as a result, I might sit up there, like, for example, you might have somebody like my man Max Kellerman. Mm -hmm. You cover boxing. Max could tell you who the 30th ranked fighter was. Give a damn about him. I see him when he get up to the top 10. I'm focusing on him because I ain't got time. I got to do all of this. I ain't got time to watch the 30th ranked fighter. You see what I'm saying? But if I did watch him fight, I know boxing enough to know what I saw. So when you had cats coming at me, I'm sitting there, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I didn't sit up there and say, I'm Joe Rogan, and I'm breaking down the nuances of the sport. Uh -huh. I'm saying, I saw Conor McGregor fight this dude for 40 seconds. I saw this dude get hit with three shoulder shrugs right to his nose. He backed up, had a chance to run away for a few seconds to gather himself, didn't do it, only hit one, only, only yeah. did one side kick, which didn't connect, then got kicked in the side of his head by Conor McGregor. He goes down and out. This is your 50th fight, though. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know how to back up and catch your breath. Then, oh, by the way, you went out in 40 seconds. Then we find out it's your first pay-per-view fight. Mm -hmm. Oh, how many times we've seen brothers step in the ring and they're going like this. Right? Lights might have been too much for them. But because, but because it's Cowboy Cerrone and yeah. it's the MMA, suddenly I'm not allowed to say that? Oh, That's but, ridiculous. But, 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 but let me ask you That's this. ridiculous. All right. Stephen A. Smith is tripping, and I'm explaining why. A number of reasons. Um, one thing that I am big on and I've never appreciated is talking down to fighters when you've never actually participated in the sport. It's not like basketball. It's not like any other sports. You can't fight again or whatever next week and have people forget, right? LeBron can have a terrible game, come back tomorrow. Have an amazing game. We forget. It happens like that all the time. Combat sports, you fight twice a year at the, at the high level. If you're just a savage, maybe four at most. But it's, it's quarterly at best. Seriously. So, he believes that people were coming at him because... He's not Joe Rogan and what he said. No, we were coming at you because you're saying fallacies consistently. Like number one. He's never fought in a pay-per-view event. This is his first one. Maybe the lights were too bright. Bruh. That was Donald Cerrone's 14th pay-per-view event. 14. It wasn't his first. It was his 14th. It was his first time, first time headlining. But remember, this is not like boxing. When boxing, we only turn tune in for the one event. No, MMA, we pay attention to the entire card. He's co-main evented. He's been, he's been one of the big fixtures in it. He has been in 14 pay-per-view fights. So that for me is the first thing that really just comes to fruition, man. It's like, he goes out there, also says, oh, he, he threw a sidekick. He didn't throw a sidekick. Absolutely did not throw a sidekick. Roundhouse, maybe. 
but definitely not a sidekick. So the thing is, we're not coming at Stephen A. Smith for obviously he it's his yes, it is his lack of the of the sport of knowledge of the sport. It is not saying that he went out there and you know, we're we're not coming at you because of that. We're coming at you because one, you continue saying lies. And more importantly, first of all, why are you still talking? Like, why you, this happened a month and a half ago. You must really feel a way. And I respect Stephen A. Smith too much as a journalist, I'd say, entertainer, to continue sitting there and doubling down on something that he's wrong on. He loves to eloquent and say that, look, fam, you know, I, I, I can admit when I'm wrong. You can't. Because if you paid attention to what Joe Rogan said, what I have said, Luke Thomas, the entire MMA community, the thing is, it's not just about Donald Cerrone. It's one, you're obviously not showing him any respect. It's how you said what you said and then continue doubling down on fallacies. It's ridiculous. It's not professional. And I expect better. And this is coming from a dude who has the first take Chicago uh, flag was sitting in my damn studio now that he and the team and everybody gave me. I got love for them. I do. I've said some disparaging things about him in the past, but I say it because he continues to disrespect the sport that I love. And he continues tearing down fighters without having any knowledge. The way he's just like, hey, Muay Thai 30, 30%. Well, I don't care about that. Maybe you should. If you're going to speak on it, if you want to be a Cheeto finger troll, well, wouldn't just shut the fuck up. Do your thing on social media, but don't come on national television and say that. That's my issue with him. He needs to cut it out. If he was asking, actually, I have Ak coming on the show next week. Um, so he'll, uh, I'll ask him about it as well. And I'm sure he was the one that brought it up a little bit. But at the end of the day, he needs to be man enough to say, look, dog, like, I'm not talking about that no more. It, it is what it is. You know, we have some disagreement. But but this, the way he's doubling down, and, and why is no one correcting him? I don't understand that. Correct this dude. He's wrong. Say something. One of the many note-getters at ESPN. Somebody write this man a note and say, fam, you're saying the wrong shit again. The producer on the show, bruh, I know you. You're one of my mentors, fam. Do your thing. Do your due diligence. Don't let this man spout off at the mouth about this sport because this isn't a sport that we know. Because... MMA at this point in time is the fastest growing sport in the world. By far. So what's happening is that his credibility is losing and Joe Rogan was absolutely correct. It's a bad look for the sport. It's a bad look for ESPN. And it is a bad look for Stephen A. Smith. We got to do better, man. They have to. All right, people, that was five rounds of fight news on episode 189 of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. Um, let's go ahead and break down this upcoming uh, fight card. We have a great fight card. And granted, 
The championship is only for one person. If he wins, the number one contender at 125, Joseph Benavidez, he is competing for the vacant flyweight title. Now, he is the last guy that actually defeated Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo didn't want any more smoke. I think probably because Joseph didn't have a big enough name, whatever, maybe didn't want to go back to 125. Regardless of what it was, he didn't have that. So let's go run through the fights, and uh, I'll give you my picks right quick, and we'll get it rocking. All right, man. So the title fight, Joseph Benavidez versus Davidson Figueredo, man. I'm excited about this fight. I think it is a phenomenal matchup, man. Um, you got one guy who is 17 and 1, uh, which is Figueredo, the number three ranked guy in the world. And then you legitimately have a legend in Joseph Benavidez, 27 and 5. Check this out, man. Both of these guys are very similar in the way they do their due diligence, man. Figueredo, man, eight wins by knockout, six wins by submission. Joseph Benavidez, eight wins by knockouts, nine wins by submission. They're very well-rounded guys. And this is one of the things that I really love about fighters from these smaller weight classes. 125, 135, 145, man. They're extremely technical. It's amazing to see. And they're so fast. Super fast, super technical, and just absolute monsters. You're starting to see just more dynamic guys, guys who have power like Benavidez and Figueredo, man. These guys are brick houses who've been around for a very long time. Um, I will be honest with you, because of the weight cut, because of, and, and honestly, I'm probably going this from the heart, man. Um, I think Joseph Benavidez has a little bit more. I've seen Figueredo fight. I think Joseph is a little bit more well-rounded um i think that uh figueredo actually is probably more powerful in the way he lands his punches um they look more sticky they look more they look them like they're more powerful um but again they have the same amount of knockouts on their record on the ground i definitely have to give the edge to joseph benavidez but man this is another uh black belt man this is going to be a good fight this is going to be a great scrap i have benavidez winning this fight all right, um, moving right along. Co-main event is the 145-pound beast, man. Um, and I am talking about Felicia Spencer. Um, Felicia Spencer hopes to get a big win on this fight card, man. If she goes ahead and gets a win between Saron Farron, she will probably get a title shot against Amanda Nunes at women's featherweight, which is 145. I think Felicia Spencer is extremely tough. She showed that against Chris Cyborg in her loss against Chris Cyborg. She has shown she's been a champion in Invicta. She has always been one of the best women in the world. She can strike. She can grapple. I have her winning this match. Um, also on this card, you have another uh, women's featherweight, Megan Anderson, uh, fighting Normana Duman. I think Megan Anderson is going to take that one. And um, on the undercards, man, we have a couple other amazing matchups, man. We have some uh, some great up-and-coming prospects. And, uh, dude, it's, like I said, it's, it should be a good one, man. Breland Ander, Allen, um, or should I say Brandon Allen against Tom Brees. I think a lot of people want Tom Brees to win. They think Tom Brees is going to win. I think Brandon Allen's going to go ahead and get it. You have Martin Tabora fighting Sergey Spivak. 
Great fight against two big heavyweights. I definitely have to go with Martin Terbora. You have Luis Pena fighting in this one, man. I got to take Luis Pena. You got Jordan Griffin fighting TJ Brown. Two guys off of the uh, contender series. I have to go with Jordan Griffin on this one, man. So all in all, I think this is going to be an incredible, incredible fight card. I think it should be fun from top to bottom. And, uh, yo, I can't wait to break it down for you guys on Monday. So with that being said, this is your host, the underground king of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. This has been been episode 189 i love you guys man i appreciate you guys listening um enjoy the fights this weekend deuces <laughs>